Hello and welcome to Money Chill Out, the podcast to get inspired and feel good about your money. I'm Marika Fino, a woman in my 30s, ex-trader in the city of London, yoga teacher and owner of my financial empowerment business. On this podcast, I want to open up the discussion around money and investments and dive into personal finance management, which can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversations on money, mindsets, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. You too can get financial peace of mind and it starts with empowerment and knowledge. Let's go. Hi Bertrand, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm super happy to have you on. So you're a friend, you're an ex-colleague at the French Bank in London. You're also a CFA buddy, we studied it together. <laughs> That was woo. <laughs> And uh, and the list goes on. And yes, I'm very, very grateful to have you on. And today we're talking about NFT, which is your specialty because you've been working for, in this field for the last five years. You've been in the head of sales or business development for a few startups. And you now work for Unbound Nation, which is the one-stop solution to learn and borrow your gaming NFTs. You're also a digital nomad. You're working remotely, but I still noticed a trend between Berlin and the south of Europe. <laughs> Anything that you want to add? No, that's good. Cool. So let's go back to basic and explain what is NFT. Yes. So NFT stands for non-fungible token, right? And so the interesting part in this word is the word non-fungible. Why? Because... From the way this token is technologically designed, it essentially represents a unique digital identifier uh, that is recorded on the blockchain. And that identifier can never be altered, right? It's completely immutable. It's uh, unique in its digital properties. And so just see it as an asset on the internet that can not only never be changed, never be copied and duplicated, but also everybody can check its authenticity online for free. Right. So that's really what an NFT is. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of differentiate the technology from the art, let's say. So, so what about the technology? Essentially, the word NFT, NFTs is the technology, right? It's just the now how it's being applied to a certain sector, certain vertical like arts, gaming. We'll talk about the many applications that you can have for NFTs. Essentially, the way the token is designed, as I mentioned, makes it an NFT. So without going into too much detail, which I wouldn't be able to do anyway, because I'm not that technical, but let's say the way it works is quite simple. You have a blockchain. So let's use Ethereum. And on that blockchain, you can develop a bunch of different things. You can create code that creates, you know, companies like so see it as like a software that's been coded. And then Facebook is, is built on an, the internet with a special uh, coding language. It's exactly the same for blockchain technology, NFTs and tokens. And what happens is that NFTs pretty much follow just a set of rules and standards that are being dictated by the blockchain. Now, one thing that is quite interesting about blockchain technology, and especially Ethereum, is the smart contract technology. And what is a smart contract? Very simple. It's a computer program. It's a code that is designed to be executed automatically 
and cannot really be changed. And uh, so what happens is when you want to create an NFT, you follow the set of codes and standards that is being dictated by the Ethereum blockchain, which is specific language, uh, specific standards. And then you add whatever you want to add to it or information, whether you're creating a, let's say, a digital arts NFT, and you can add a bunch of things like pictures, let's say, criteria, rarities, and so on and so forth. And then you essentially press a button and then it's being created following a standards from the blockchain, which then lives once it's done, once it's been minted and created on the blockchain, lives forever and cannot be changed. Right. So it's just a set of rules. And that technology is essentially just a standard, a set of codes that makes it unique, immutable, and essentially not alterable. Mm-hmm. And you've spoken about Ethereum and the blockchain technology. How is it different than to cryptos? So how is NFT different than crypto, let's say? Yeah. Right. Okay. So the difference between cryptocurrencies such as Ethereum, so e, like Ether, the, the token of the Ethereum uh, blockchain, Bitcoin, which is the token of the Bitcoin blockchain, all of those are fungible tokens. Meaning, I mean, it's like the euro, the dollar, right? It's just $1 equals $1, no matter where it comes from. And so the oldest tokens that follow a set of standards, which is different than the NFT standards when you code it, are fungible. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoins, whether it is in your wallet or in my wallet. Now, the big difference between NFTs and those ones is that NFTs are unique in their properties. So one NFT can't be similar than another NFT. I would say, based on the standard that you use, there are different standards where you can replicate the same NFTs, right? So essentially, they could be the same. But let's say, let's just for the sake of this exercise, the, the NFTs that are very unique pieces of art, for instance, or pieces of assets, they're just different from cryptocurrencies in a way they're being built just because they're non-fungible and the other ones are fungible. Okay, that's super clear. And I didn't know that myself, so I <laughs> love that. Cool. And uh, there's a lot of people who link actually NFTs to arts, but again, it's restrictive. So can you give us an overview of what's out there and, and of possibilities? That's actually an amazing question <laughs> because because that's the thing. I think today the world of NFTs and the world of crypto is unfortunately badly represented and portrayed by the media because it's a, it's something that you need to allocate a bit of time on and sweat to truly understand what this space is all about and what it encompasses. So that's why it really is sometimes just reduced to one particular thing that has been creating a buzz recently. Now, ultimately, the scope of NFTs extends to anything that is digital, that is unique, and that needs provable ownership or authenticity on the internet today. So let me give you a few examples. There are really, really many. Unique digital artwork. So we've talked about this. It's probably the most well-known kind of applications of NFTs. You create the digital arts. What proves that you're the creator? NFTs does it because it's on the blockchain. It's open source. Everyone can verify not only who created it, but who owns it and at which point. In-game items. So something that is also some like a sector that I work in right now. If you have a bunch of items in a game that you purchase, for instance, in traditional gaming, you don't own them. You could create your entire avatar and player and you buy a bunch of things, in-game items, cosmetics, whatever you buy, whatever you try to develop as a gamer within the game. It's something that you never truly own. It's You pay, you own it within the game, but the game developer really owns it. Now, apply all that technology, like replace the technology with blockchain, open source technology, where each in-game item becomes an NFT. Once you buy it, it's yours. It's yours. If you want to sell it, if you want to swap it, like you can. It really is just 
be yours and you can prove it via the, the blockchain technology. Another thing, domain name. I mean, tickets. Let's say you, you need digital tickets to access concerts or to access a specific group within whatever, Discord, Twitter, and any kind of like closed circle or gated community. Who proves that not only your ticket is unique, but it's yours? NFTs solve that problem. Fractionalized real estate. So real world assets, which we'll probably talk about later, can be put on chain and then fractionalized so that the access can be divided and brought to the masses. How do you prove this piece is yours? NFTs, music royalties, digital identity, big, big, big topic. How do you know that your Twitter account is your Twitter account? How do you prove this, right? So all, all of the above today, they exist, but the way we need to trust a third party to ensure authenticity and ownership of all of that, right? Or all of that, those particular pieces of digital assets. With decentralized open source blockchain network, what it aims to do is removing the need for trust, right? So you don't need to trust a third party to guarantee that you indeed own this piece of digital assets. And NFTs fixes the whole authenticity ownership problems. And on top, there's less fees because there's no like a third party in the middle. Yeah. I mean, less fees, more efficient. One could argue less risky because it's in a truly decentralized network. There's no one single point of attack, right? I mean, it's happened multiple times that Facebook went down because it, like, their servers got attacked. Like, if, you want, if it goes down, it goes down. You, there's nothing you can do, right? So NFTs can be applied to a bunch of different things, really, that where you need to prove that something on the internet that is digital is unique and that is authentic. Mm -mm. But thank you so much for giving like the overview. It's really like inspiring, and and you actually see the real life application. But the tickets for concerts, or yeah, created a community. I love that. And so if we go now in um, jargon mode, so there's a lot of words like minting and cold or hot wallets. Can you define some of them? And I think these three are the, the one that I often see, but maybe there's others. So, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a bunch, to be fair. And I don't think I'm familiar with all the jargon, but it's true that you need to somehow develop uh, fluency in the jargon to navigate through this, uh, this space. But so minting hot and cold wallets. So minting is essentially creating, right? And, and so why do we use this word minting? It's because you're essentially engraving a piece of digital information onto the blockchain and it's there to stay forever and it cannot be added. So it's really, really see it as, you know, you're engraving something on the rock and then it stays there, right? You can't really remove it. You can't really erase it. So you're, you're really, really minting, minting something for it to stay. And you're like, you're digging a little bit the blockchain for it to, um, and then you insert whatever piece of information that you need to insert. Mm -hmm. Cold wallets and hot wallets. So, has nothing to do with the weather, clearly. <laughs> but a cold wallet is essentially a wallet that is uh, completely offline. So that is not constantly connected to a, to a device, to the internet. And it's also usually called a hardware wallet. So see it as a USB key, for instance. Right? The way, maybe taking a step back, the way you store crypto today is within a wallet. So wallet is just an address that you have that is yours, right? It's, it's definitely yours. There are ways that it's yours, but you don't hold all the keys. But if you're, let's say, a crypto maxi and decentralized, if you really, really believe in the ethos of crypto, then you believe in self-custody, meaning you you are your own bank. You have the keys of your own vault, which comes with risk. Obviously, if you lose it, then it's gone forever. Now, that's what I wanted to say, because one of my clients in coaching, she lost the key and she has no way to fund her money by it's mental. But it's a lot of accountability, exactly. 
It's a lot of accountability. We're still very early. I think this is also, I mean, we can talk about it later, but it's also one of the biggest friction points to mass adoption. Uh, not everyone wants to be their own bank, right? But anyway, topic for um, for later. But essentially, so cold wallets, you store your crypto in a hardware device. So see it as a USB key. Ledger, a French company, very famous for their keys. Cold wallets made a business out of it. Or Tezo, for instance. And essentially, it's deemed a bit more secure because hot wallets are constantly connected to your computer, to the, to, to the internet somewhere. It's also way easier to navigate through the different protocols and projects that you connect your wallet to if you have a hot wallet because it's there, right? So a little extension, for instance, on your browser. So the cool wallet, completely outside USB key, whenever you want to do something that requires you connecting the wallet to do anything, you have to take it out, connect it to your computer. I mean, you see the, the whole process, but never, never online or rarely online, mostly offline. And the hot wallet is the, the opposite. The hot wallet is, is essentially usually a Chrome extension or an app that is constantly connected or easily connected to any electronic device and the internet. So... The problem is, I mean, it's way easier to set up. As I said, you can easily just go to one protocol, buy an NFT, for instance, go to another protocol, swap ETH for Bitcoin instantly. You just have to connect your wallets in a very easy way. But it's also more susceptible to hacks and other technical like vulnerabilities that, you know, because of the constant connection to the internet. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you use yourself? <laughs> Both. As a relatively frequent user of many projects, I have a hot wallet, but I also have, let's say, the majority of dormant, not necessarily dormant tokens or things that I don't need to move that often in a cold wallet. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. So can you share some projects that have seen amazing success or any, I don't know, piece of art maybe that has been sold like super well or yeah, anything you want to share on that space? So when people think about NFTs, they're obviously associated a lot with art, right? Or collectibles or what we call PFPs, right? Provide pictures. I'd say the most obvious example that I can give is, so Beeple is a digital artist that has been around for many, many years. Uh, and he, I mean, he essentially found crazy success in, I think it was 2020 or 20, probably 2021, when NFTs as art and PFPs and collectibles literally raw, like created this huge wave and adoption of people. He, I mean, the, the, this guy, I think he sold the most expensive piece or one of the most expensive uh, NFTs at some point, I think for like 69 million or something like this. Nice. So let's talk about investment now. And why would someone invest? And, and what about you? Why did you invest? And what are the key interest of on top of the obvious i would say diversification benefit if you hold the traditional portfolio <laughs> yeah so i think i think the, the interesting part is a uh, traditional portfolio eh? <laughs> let's see how nfts fit in no but so there are a couple of ways to answer this question nfts as i said is a technology right today's is obviously applied in people's mind to arts or digital arts collectibles so uh, maybe you could think of it as like, how do you include art into a traditional portfolio? Uh, but NFTs being a technology that allows you to do a bunch of different things, it also represents a bunch of different types of investments. So one example that I would say that I would mention is NFTs are commonly used in DeFi, DeFi being decentralized finance. And decentralized finance is essentially this alternative financial system that is on chain that aims at offering 
you know, investment opportunities and, and financial opportunities, whether it's traditional lending, principal lending, but also investment opportunities on chain, very, very similar to the traditional world, but at a fraction of the cost and in a more, in a faster, more efficient, and also non-discriminatory manner. We can get into that later if you want, but essentially the technology of NFTs can be applied in DeFi in a way that it represents a unique piece of investments that you own, right? So let's say you have a company that wants to that don't that doesn't have access to regular credit in the traditional world. They go on chain, for instance. They raise on chain debt. So you have a pool of lenders that could be you and me, for instance, that understand the risk profile, see what the essentially the debt project is all about, and the the, the amount that they want to raise. What happens is that you can participate in uh, in this whole raise, and the piece of debt that you have, the piece of let's say bond that you essentially own is represented on chain via an NFT. Why does it matter? It matters because essentially it's this piece of NFT which represents which has a unique digital information that represents the let's say term sheet that you have for this uh, borrower can be then either kept in the portfolio. So if you're asking about why would you like to invest in NFTs, this can be a yield-bearing instrument, for instance. You get the regular yield, right? But also, it can be very, very easily sold, swapped, transferred to anyone. I mean, there needs to be liquidity for it, obviously. But the fact that it lives on the blockchain on a network that is accessible to everyone, and then you literally just need to find someone who wants to buy it and a platform to set it on, which is extremely easy to do, you also have a secondary market for that piece of, of, uh, of that. So anyway, the NFT can represent literally a term sheets, yield-bearing instruments from, you know, investor or, sorry, a corporate uh, borrower. It can, on the, you know, as far as the more speculative side of NFTs are, are concerned, I mean, like art, collectibles, anything else, it's, it's something that if you're interested in, let's say, investments that have a very huge return profile where 99% of the projects probably will yield to zero, but then one will just return the entire portfolio investments, a bit like a VC uh, style, style investments, then that could be included within your portfolio. But I think this is high. This obviously is highly speculative. Is the market at a stage, is the market mature enough and the assets mature enough and at a stage in which it can be included within a portfolio construction that is exercise that is relevant and intelligent. I'm not sure whether that's something that can be applied with the traditional method, but yeah, I mean, there are many, many investment opportunities that takes the form of NFTs. Mm -hmm. And you said it's more accessible. What, what do you mean by that? It just the access which is accessible is the amount. So today, and it, it probably will change in the future, considering that regulation comes in uh, and everything that regulation brings in will probably put a lot of barrier into who can access what uh, for investor protection, but also anti-money laundering uh, issues. Today, I mean, the world of crypto as a whole, but even the world of NFT as a whole, you can access it with just a connection, like an internet connection. There's nothing else you can do, you, you need to do. Right? You need a wallet, so something that you can store your tokens in, whether it's NFTs or regular tokens, like non-fungible like tokens, and then you're set, right? You're really, really set. So how accessible is this world? Very. Everybody, everybody can do it. Now, you need to understand what it means from a regulatory standpoint, and especially for institutions, which is why we haven't seen institution adoption so much. But then also, let's say how liquid the market is, how much NFTs are around. Like NFTs can be minted by anyone. 
like I've minted, I don't know, probably 200,000 NFTs already for different reasons. I mean, it's, it's just a piece of technology that is extremely easy to use. So what's important is obviously the NFT market is big, depends on which vertical you're talking about. Can you buy very like easily, independent of regulations? You just need a wallet and you connect. You connect to the platform where the NFTs are, then you just find a buy. You just buy it. You sell it, trade it. It's very, very, really, really that easy. And do you have a, any preferred platforms? So for the hot wallets? The platforms that you're going to be using will depend on the blockchains the NFTs are on, which, by the way, is also probably a, a, another friction point for mass adoption because there are so many blockchains that are interoperable. Some talk to each other. Some are completely independent from each other, which means you can't use the same wallets. But anyway, I would say the main ones that have been quite popular, the biggest projects uh, today, such as OpenSea, Blur, Rarible's, Magic Eden, if you're on Solana, for instance, all those ones, the likelihood that they're going to cover 95% plus of the NFTs that you're looking to get is pretty high. So I would use those ones, really. Then it really depends if you have a very specific NFT collections that you're looking at, then it might it's not necessarily be listed on those platforms, but might be listed on a ad hoc platform that the project that developed the NFTs developed as well. Makes sense. Yeah. So let's talk about the trends now. So what do you see in the NFT trends and where do you see it going? Even though that's, uh, <laughs> you don't have a crystal ball, but still. <laughs> this is where I take my crystal ball, right? So trends, it's interesting right now at the heart of the bear markets, nothing is happening. Very, very quiet. But I, I'm probably going to have a skewed view, obviously, because... I like the disclaimer. <laughs> I mean, I have affinity to certain verticals within the NFTs and also being in a particular sector. I can also see the kind of traction that you get and the potential that you get. But I would say in a fairly objective manner, I'm seeing two main verticals that are up and coming and that are making some noise and that actually see where you see significant VC rounds happening even in this kind of bear market and which are music and gaming NFT projects. There's also real world assets, as I mentioned before, which is also in which is a big, big, big topic, less sexy, less, you know, the trend, but it's definitely something that obviously will use the NFT, NFT technology to bring it on train. But yeah, I would say music and uh, music and gaming. Mm -hmm. Cool. And um, so we've spoken a lot about the pros of NFTs. What do you think is missing or pending or improving at the moment that would help push the market into mass market, as we've said? So that's the billion dollar question, right? Mass adoption. For me, probably two things. I mean, there are, there are many things, but two main things that need to be tackled rigorously to make sure that you can have significant adoption. The first one being, I think there's a lot of friction points from a UX, UI standpoint, right? User experience, user interface standpoint. Whenever you want to approach this world of, of Web3, I mean, you have to juggle with wallets, blockchains, bridges, which are the intersection between two different blockchains. It's a specific jargon. It's also, uh, there's a lot of risks that are new risks, not really fully understood yet, like self-custody risk, as we talked about earlier, blockchain risk, yeah, I mean, smart contract risk, or all of that. I think the, the needs to be tackled and wrapped into a way, into something where you can, you don't necessarily notice that you are within crypto world, right? It needs to be completely seamless. It needs to be a very user-friendly experience. Almost you don't even know that you're on a blockchain, that you interact with wallets or anything like this. I think this is a big point because if you're not familiar, it takes 
time to be familiar with all of this. So mass adoption won't, won't happen if you don't make it easier. And the second one is regulation. Big one, very easy one. But right now, most people are essentially evolving in a regulatory gray zone. Like it's very, very, very blurry because they don't understand the treatment of specific tokens, specific NFTs. Is this a commodity? Is this a security? I mean, you see what's happening in the US right now. It's a, it's a mess. Now, kudos to Europe. Definitely moving things forward in a very progressive way. Uh, with Mika happening in 24, 25. But until you have regulatory clarity and real clarity on the different assets and the, the treatment, I think you won't have real, especially institutional money coming in and the rest, obviously. So I think those two ones play a big role in, in preventing mass adoption at the moment. I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Last question about your own portfolio. So can you tell us your overall portfolio, not just NFT, how it's played? So non-financial advice here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Just sharing information, exactly. No, so essentially it's split between, let's say 50-50 real estate, right? And the rest is crypto exposure. So whether through stocks, but mostly through token investments. Which means... Okay, you have the real estate, which is traditional, but you don't have stocks or, I mean, you said stocks or bonds or, or commodities. No. At all. So for me, one thing that I've discovered is, I mean, the concept of diversification is very valid, but I've realized that also with my conviction working in this industry, my conviction grew to a point where if it made sense that I think this industry will go somewhere, then I will put my money where my mouth is. and. Not to quote the great Naval Ravikant, but the more you know, the less you diversify. And I don't know, and you know, that's why I'm saying it's not financial advice at all. But I do see the potential, especially working in this industry, knowing more than the traditional people that are not in this industry, because it's obviously not super approachable sector if you don't work in it. You don't understand the ethos and, and, and the potential and why people that work in this industry are there. You only understand what's on the surface, what's being published by the media and it never is the great stories it's all about the scams the monkey pictures so for me it's uh, obviously a risky bet but backed by i think my the convictions that i have working in industry i like it i like the I like the passion in the voice <laughs> that's great and can you share like um, your best and worst investment in NFT? Like, did you, I don't know, invest in something, you lost everything? Did you lost a key? Did you, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I haven't done much NFT investments, not because I don't, I mean, as I said, NFT is just encompasses everything, a lot of things at least, but I have more convictions on different verticals, not necessarily NFTs. That being said, I have uh, a few NFTs that I'm quite happy about. Actually, one thing that I could mention is the NFT that I got from this project called Another Block. And what they essentially do, they tokenize streaming royalties of song owners, of song royalty owners. So not only the artists, but you know, like when the song is being produced, there is a, a panel of people that actually own pieces of the song and royalties of the song. And what they did, they essentially offer this on-chain tokenized or secu like securitization kind of model for song owners to sell part of their royalties to the public in the form of NFTs. And so essentially what I did, I was able to buy a piece of the streaming royalties, only streaming here, royalties of the song Bitch Better Have My Money by Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially an interest-bearing instrument, right? You have 
they estimated how much royalties this particular song, uh, this particular owner, property owner, uh, could get over whatever, how many years. And they've estimated an expected return paid semi-annually every six months. And so I'm being paid streaming royalties from Bitch Better Have Money <laughs> every six months. That's a super nice way to get really passive income, right? <laughs> it is, right? It is. So that's one that I'm that I find pretty cool. Like I, I like I, I like the concept. I like the project. I mean, the, the guys are the project are great as well. So that's one. I haven't, luckily, I haven't done mistake or terrible investments that cost me 100 percent of my money. I haven't been hacked, much in words. I'd I'd say this is the mistake that I've done. Just over allocating to a bunch of stuff that I didn't know really what they what they were doing. I guess so. No, I like it. But what I like is that exactly as you said, whatever assets you're actually investing in, you if you want to be active and like looking at the project, understanding and so on, you can't follow like too many. And it's only as you said, like a bunch of things that you would be like super experts in or on because yeah, there's so much information. I mean, it's a proper job, right? So yeah. Absolutely. No, really. I mean, and, and that's why I think the most people see cryptocurrencies as another investment, right? It's being portrayed as like, hey, this highly speculative, potentially high return investment vehicle. Yes, but that's the way it's being used, right? That's the way it's being used. And obviously, this market is full of speculative people that are not there for the tech, but are there for the money. And it's especially in the market today where it's completely dry. The only people still there are what we call the degenerates, the degens just going there and the speculators are just trying to make money, pumping, flipping, trading the coin. And it's this whole noise makes it very, very difficult for people that don't necessarily work in the industry or take the time to understand the industry to understand why the token is this token. What is the value behind Bitcoin? Why does Bitcoin exist? I would recommend to everyone to really read the white paper of Bitcoin to understand why Satoshi Nakamoto created this whole thing. Why? What's the concept? What's the ethos behind decentralized open source network powered by this token, which is called Ether, for instance? And once you get into the why, then it makes a lot more sense from an investment perspective. And the noise is the noise. Like you know, if you're if you're in there, you're not in there for. I mean, you could be in there for six months, but you have to be completely okay with this high volatility. Right? The goal is not to look at your portfolio value every single day because you might have stomach cramp at some point. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, definitely, it's definitely not something that I recommend. But for you to be able to have this long-term conviction, you need to understand why. And 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 you need to do a little bit of the work, right? With Like with everything anyway. But it's just less obvious than commercial real estate, right? And like you just need to understand a little bit. And, and now I would say the, there's a lot more media that are making it a bit more simple and approachable, less techy, to understand the why, the what, and the how. So definitely recommend for, to everyone to check a little bit and understand at least the Bitcoin and Ether. These two, you, you already have a very, very good grasp of the ethos behind crypto and decentralized network. Cool. Love that. We'll finish on that note. Love it. <laughs> the why. Super cool. No, thank you so much, Bertrand. It was uh, super informative. I personally learned a lot. It's not my space, but I am super curious. I love it. Especially the fact that the difference between NFTs and, and others and also the overview of what's possible. That's wow. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing and um, yeah, all the best as we say. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Thanks a lot for having me. It was fun. And uh, yeah, see you soon, hopefully. Sounds good. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. So, at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. 
You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.